Hello and welcome, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Anything and Everything, episode three of the Skull Vera Quirk podcast. We're your hosts, Isabel Healy, Sarah Foley, and Sophie Liney. And today we have a great range of topics for your enjoyment, such as... Our movie expert Isabel is going to be giving us her latest reviews and recommendations. That'll be great. I need to find a new series. I feel like I spend more time looking through Netflix than actually watching anything. We've also got an interesting piece coming up on the pressures of sport. And we have a really powerful piece on sexual violence against women by Orna. It's over to Albie and Esme now on the negative impact social media can have on somebody's lives. Welcome to Anything and Everything, a podcast by Skullvera Cork. I'm Abby. And I'm Esme. And today we're going to be talking about the negative effects of beauty and social standards on women and teens. We're going to start off by explaining how social media harms body image. One in every six teenage girls with eating and sleeping issues reported that using Instagram had made their problems worse. Studies show that women are less likely to be happy with their bodies if they spend more than an hour a day on social media. Girls especially have increased pressure to think about how peers will perceive them or judge them online. I've personally noticed this in myself. When I'm on social media for too long, I start comparing myself to others. Yeah, I agree. Negative mental health outcomes such as anxiety, depression, disassociation, and disrupted sleep can begin to manifest physically with the overuse of social media sites. Women are constantly exposing themselves to the ideal body type, the unrealistic small waist, tan skin, and big hips. This leads to a constant comparison of themselves to unrealistic standards. Additionally, Photoshop and filters are easily available to users, playing into this unrealistic body image. This made us wonder, considering it is so obvious how harmful unrealistic body image and social media is to women and girls, why aren't we trying to change it? The answer, in short, is greed. Every social media platform's goal is to make as much money as possible. They will do whatever they can to get views and interactions from their users. You may have noticed that Instagram has an algorithm. If you interact with certain posts, this may mean liking, commenting, sharing, or viewing posts multiple times. Soon, more and more posts similar to that will show up. This seems to make sense, but it can lead to a dangerous cycle. Let's say a young girl struggling with body issues sees a post about unhealthy dieting. She might save the post or scroll through the account and like some of its older posts. Soon, more information will pop up about limiting food, dieting, over-exercising and overall unhealthy living. Now, every time the girl opens Instagram, dieting is the first thing she sees. This, in turn, will make her feel self-conscious, as all she ever is shown is a complete unrealistic and unhealthy body type and lifestyle. Now, my solution would be to change the algorithm slightly, so that certain posts containing body image and restrictive food and dieting are flagged. These flagged posts would then basically just not count towards the algorithm, meaning that just because someone liked one post about dieting, there would not be more to follow. I get where you're coming from. But how is Instagram supposed to flag posts about unhealthy eating or that are triggering without also flagging posts that may do the very opposite for people? For instance, there are many accounts on Instagram sharing body positive photos and balanced living and they could really help someone who is struggling with eating or body image issues. So I really don't think the solution is viable. Yes, of course this is a problem. Although 64% of people say that Instagram is harmful for their health, There are still 36% that find it neutral or are even helped by it, and we would not want to take that away from them. But social media is just not a reliable source of information, and I don't think there really needs to be anything on it about how to live a balanced life. That is what medical professionals are for. I disagree with that. Who should decide which posts to flag? 
are we talking about any post of someone's body? People are always going to look towards social media for advice and we need to make sure that they see positive posts. I would say any post tied to how to get a certain body should be flagged. Like posts talking about dieting and how to look a certain way. That way, if photos of someone's body that is just trying to promote a realistic body image is promoted. The reality of the situation is that young girls spend a long time on Instagram, and we need to make sure that they don't see posts that could be harmful or messages that are false. I believe that we should direct our energy into ensuring that people realize that Instagram is not a source of medical information. For instance, putting up warnings on certain posts about how they could be harmful instead of restricting them in any way. We could also direct users to a medical site if they view a certain number of harmful posts. This would get rid of the issue of deleting or not showing perfectly healthy posts, and users would still have the freedom to post whatever they want. This is a great solution. Why don't we combine our two ideas? Some posts could get flagged, but how about the only posts that do get flagged are ones reported by other users? For instance, if I saw a post about some really unhealthy diet talking about how to look a certain way, I would report it saying it is unhealthy. Instagram would review this report and then the post would get flagged. These flagged posts would then not be a part of the Instagram algorithm. For the rest of Instagram, your idea would come into play, and users would get directed to medical professionals or warned about some posts. I believe that this would really help to minimize unhealthy standards while still making sure Instagram is a place where users have the freedom to post what they want. And that's it. In just a few minutes, we've created a solution to one of the biggest problems teenagers face today. Now it's Instagram's turn to make a change. Thank you so much for listening. And next on Anything and Everything, we're told about the start of this trip across the Atlantic Ocean by Karen Weeks. Hello, my name is Maggie O'Brien and I'm going to be talking about Karen Weeks today. Welcome to Anything and Everything, Sculvera Cork's podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about Karen Weeks and her journey across the Atlantic. Karen Weeks is a sports physiologist from Galway and her first Irish woman to row solo across the Atlantic. Karen went from Gran Canaria on the 6th of December and reached Barbados on the 25th of February 2022. After 80 days, she managed to row solo for 3,000 miles across the Atlantic on her vessel, which she called Millie, after her own mother. When she arrived in Barbados, she was greeted by crowds, friends, family, proud supporters and the Barbados Minister of Sports, Charles Griffith. She had blogged her experience on her Twitter account where she posted videos and blogs updating her followers on her journey. Karen has since been on The Late Late Show with Ryan Tuberty to share her experience on TV. With Karen's campaign, which is called She Can Do, she has raised 40000 for the ORNLI and the Laura Lynns Foundation. Karen's campaign... She Can Do aims to provide a platform for encouraging women and girls to push themselves outside their comfort zone and believe in their abilities to succeed. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. The Elm Tree Glenthon, award-winning restaurant and bar. Try a carvery or a la carte menu. Come join us in a new lounge now open. Now, are you a fan of movies? I know I am, but I also run out of a lot of ideas of what to watch. I know I am, but I also run out of ideas of what to watch. Luckily, though, Isabel is now going to be talking to us about her thoughts and opinions of two of her favourite films, Little Women and Interstellar. I can't wait to find out more. Hello, welcome to Sculvera Cork's Anything and Everything podcast. My name is Isabel, and today I will be talking about my favourite movies. 
Once I have finished with all of my daily tasks, my favourite thing to do is watch new movies or re-watch my favourite movies. I think that watching new movies and finding a new favourite movie is really fun, so I thought I would talk about the movies I really enjoyed watching. The first movie that I loved watching is called Interstellar. The plot is set in Earth's future. A global crop light and second dust bowl are slowly rendering the planet inhabitable. A NASA physicist is working on plans to save mankind by transporting Earth's population to a new home via a wormhole. But first, he must send a former NASA pilot, Cooper, played by Matthew McConaughey, and a team of researchers through a wormhole and across the galaxy to find out which of the three planets could be mankind's home. Interstellar was released in 2014 and stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain and Michael Caine, along with many other award-winning actors like Casey Affleck and Timothy Chalamet. This movie was a big change for Matthew McConaughey. As for the duration of his career before Interstellar, he was seen as the Hollywood heartthrob and was finally taken seriously in this sci-fi drama directed by Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan has directed many award-winning films, but is best known for the Dark Knight trilogy, Dunkirk, Inception, and The Prestige. His concept in all of the films that he makes challenges your focus, and he is known for exploring various ways of manipulating story time and the viewer's experience of it. The soundtrack for Interstellar was created by the well-known composer Hans Zimmer. He has composed many well-known soundtracks, for example, Dune and James Bond's No Time to Die. Hans creatively links the soundtrack to the concept of time and the lack of it in these dangerous planets. It perfectly captures the isolation and loneliness of space. The message of Interstellar is loneliness and isolation and how they test our ability to think rationally and operate from an ethical standpoint. It seems like it will be just about space, but there is a lot more to this movie. Interstellar also brings up the themes of love and human connection, sacrifice and the human capacity for evil. Cooper has to make the decision to leave his family with the hope to save his children's futures, while most likely missing the chance to experience that time with them and possibly never seeing them again. Christopher Nolan often leaves the endings of his films open-ended, which lets the audience make their own interpretations on what will possibly happen next. I really enjoyed the ending of Interstellar. It left me wanting more answers, but also satisfied with the ones we got. Many viewers do not enjoy endings in movies that don't explain everything, which may leave some people confused, but I thoroughly enjoyed it and how it left me thinking. If I were to rank Interstellar, I would give it a five-star rating. The next movie that I love to rewatch is called Little Women, the 2019 version. Little Women is a coming-of-age period drama film written and directed by Greta Gerwig. It is the seventh film adaptation of the 1868 novel written by Louisa May Alcott. It chronicles the lives of the March sisters, Joe, Meg, Amy and Beth, living in Massachusetts during the 19th century. Joe March reflects back and forth on her life, telling the beloved story of the March sisters, Four young women, each determined to live life on their own terms. Little Women stars Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, Timothy Chalamet, Emma Watson and Eliza Scanlon, Meryl Streep, Laura Dern and many more. This cast is full of award-winning actors who made sure to create such a unique adaptation. It was nominated for six Oscars and won one for costume design.
Greta Gerwig, who directed Little Women, is an American actress and filmmaker. In 2018, she was nominated for Best Director at the 19th Academy Awards for Lady Bird, which made her the first woman in eight years to be nominated in that category. Greta's best-known films, along with Little Women, are Lady Bird, which she directed, 20th Century Women, and Jackie, which she acted in. Greta Gerwig made this Little Women so unique by not presenting the story in two halves like it usually is, but instead she layered the past and present throughout the entire movie, flashing back and forth in an attempt to compare and contrast the characters in these two different periods. The past scenes are coloured with a golden hue that befits a memory of a better time, while there is a blue filter on the harsher, colder present. I liked how this version of Little Women is modernised slightly, as the story was slightly twisted to fit modern day's ideas about women that we haven't seen before. They showed the reality of marriage, and I think it spreads the message that you don't need to be married to have a happy ending. Little Women had the themes of unconditional love, sacrifice, and importance of sticking up for what you believe in. Gerwig represented these themes well in the film. I love this film and could watch it a hundred times without getting bored of it. This film is very comforting and I love to watch it after a bad day. I give Little Women another five-star rating. Thank you so much for listening to my favourite movies. Back to you, Isabel. Are you facing a troubling situation? In dire need of guidance? Well, then I have the segment for you. Amy and Susha are our agony aunts and are here to advise you on any worries you may have. Hello and welcome to Anything and Everything by SMC. Our names are Amy Mar and Saoirse Toomey and we are transition year students in Skullvera. Today we will be giving you advice about starting and dealing with secondary school and friendship advice. So to start off we will be answering questions about school and giving advice about peer pressure. Our first question is, I'm starting secondary school this year and I don't know anyone going. I'm really worried. Any advice? This is a great question and so common among young people when going into secondary school. So don't worry. Our advice is to be yourself and don't change for anyone, no matter what. Try talk to everyone, and this is a great way to make some new friends, and before you know it, you'll be settled in, no problem. Great advice, Amy. Next question. How do I start conversation and make friends with other people when I start school, as I'm very shy? We are so glad you asked this question, as it is something many people struggle with, so don't fear, we can help you. Giving someone a compliment is a great conversation starter as it will give a confidence boost and make whoever you are talking to more comfortable. Compliments may seem tricky at first glance, but there is a right way to do it. Pick something you admire about the person and conversation should flow much better. Thanks for that great advice, Saoirse. And our final question is, I'm starting secondary school next year. Any advice on how to feel nice in my uniform? This is a very common question asked. Feeling nice in your uniform is very important and many people have different ways on how they like to wear their uniform. For me, when I wear my uniform, I like to wear nice jewellery and roll up my shirt sleeves over my blazer and I always think when you wear a bit of tan you will always feel nice. But do what makes you feel comfortable in your uniform, whether it's curl your hair or add badges to your jumper or blazer. I totally agree with that point, Amy. You're so right. Well, that's all we have time for today. We hope you enjoyed listening and we hope our advice helped you. Thanks for joining us. And, and always, always remember, remember, if in fear, Amy and Saoirse are here. The Elm Tree Glenthon, award-winning restaurant and bar. Try a carvery or a la carte menu. Come join us in a new lounge, now open. So now it's time for something really important to me, and I'm sure to many of our listeners too. 
Orna will be informing us about the worrying increase in sexual violence against women. Sexual violence can affect everyone, and it's so important that we talk about it. Every woman has a story to tell, where they felt uncomfortable while in the presence of a man. In fact, I've yet to meet a woman who hasn't experienced some sort of sexual harassment or assault, at least once in her life. And it's not just the women I know, or you might know. It's all the women of Ireland. Hi, I'm Orna, and this is Anything and Everything SMC. Today, I will be talking about sexual violence against women. Would you believe that sexual violence is more common than you think? More than the stats show, because it is predicted that the stats are the minimum amount of abuse experienced by women due to the lack of trust in reporting to the Gardaí. According to the CSO, one in 20 women have been raped since the age of 15. I have to say I'm in shock because not only is that a huge number of the population, 15 is so young. And when I hear about girls experiencing assault at ages 13 to 18, as a teenager myself, I begin to worry about my safety. I have to be cautious and worry. My sister has to worry. My mom has to worry. My baby cousin, who doesn't even understand, has to worry. And it is so unfortunate that we live in a society where people have to worry frequently about being assaulted. I want to speak about another study, researched by the CSO, about sexual violence towards women over the age of 15 and children under the age of 15. Sexual violence towards both women and girls is the same likelihood. Both have nearly equal statistics, with 1 in 10 women experiencing sexual assault and over 1 in 10 girls under 15 experiencing it also. So sexual assault happens just as frequently with young girls as it does with women. I feel this really proves that it doesn't matter what age you are, who you are, what you're wearing or doing. Sexual assault can happen to anyone. And a reminder that you could never be asking for it. I'm going to move away from stats and what women experience. Instead, I want to talk about a solution. I don't think this problem could ever be totally eliminated, but we can help to reduce it. I believe that educating young people in primary school, secondary school and college would be beneficial because the more informed we are as a society, the safer we are. Discussing topics like consent, what is classified as harassment or assault, the psychological effects of assault and abuse, self-defence, as well as who you could contact to seek help or report an incident. All I've listed and more should be talked about in all years for both boys and girls secondary schools, as both genders can be victims or attackers. In primary schools, they should take a lighter and more child-friendly approach by teaching children the idea of what a good touch and a bad touch is. They should be encouraged to talk to a teacher or a trusted adult if this bad touch was ever to occur. Although some schools might educate what I've spoken about, I believe it certainly isn't enough. It should be talked about regularly in classes like SPHE and religion, for every year, mandatory in every school. Educating and freely open discussions will help remove the stigma and possible shame around sexual assault. It should be talked about as much as it's happening, if not more. I'm Orna. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Orna. That was absolutely fantastic and such a difficult topic that sadly resonates with us all. Amy, Elizabeth and Ruby are next up on the pressure involved in sport. Hazel touched on how she deals with nerves on last week's show, so this will be interesting to dive deeper into the topic. Sports fans, listen up. I'm Amy and you're listening to Anything and Everything. I'm joined today by Ruby and Elizabeth and today we're going to talk about the very important topic of the pressure in sport. Some athletes spend their entire lives training towards one huge moment in their career. May it be a penalty, a free kick, or even just stepping onto the pitch. Some may step up to the plate and succeed, whereas others buckle under pressure of expectations put on themselves by others. Pressure can be the core root of a team or an individual going down in history, or being forgotten about the amongst of the masses of other athletes. Examples of pressure. Firstly, we are going to talk about the UEFA Euro 2020 final between England and Italy. Picture this, the final whistle has just blown for the end of extra time. The expectations were put on the English players to bring home the cup. 19-year-old Saka just chosen to step up to the stop and take the decisive penalty. Millions of eyes watched as Saka missed the penalty. Imagine what was going through Saka's mind as he felt he had let the whole team and fans down. For Saka to step up to the challenge when all the experienced players took a step back and all the pressure and expectations is a huge weight on his shoulders. Saka received huge amounts of hate along with his mates Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sanko who also missed their penalties in the final. Social media is a very toxic community, especially when something so big like the Euros final as fans turn to online and spread their anger and hate towards others. Saka, Sanko and Rashford all received many racist messages and even Rashford mural was vandalised. This is one example of how pressure can impact the players when performing. Another example of pressure getting the better of someone is Simone Biles. After completing her first vault in the women's gymnastics team competition in Tokyo, the reigning Olympic all-round champion looked worried. Simone Biles didn't seem in pain or wasn't limping, but she looked seriously concerned. Biles was supposed to do two and a half twists in the air after launching off the vault, but once airborne, she lost her bearings and only completed one and a half. She immediately knew something was wrong, and every gymnast can relate. Biles has since said that the combination of mental stress and pressure leading up to the Olympics have affected her confidence. But more importantly, she felt a disconnect between her mind and body. Her body was no longer doing what she wanted it to do. Whatever the trigger, gymnasts call this the twisties. What causes the twisties varies from gymnast to gymnast. Sometimes they can be triggered if the gymnast is training different twisting skills at the same time. For the instance, going back and forth, between double twisting elements, one and a half twists and triples. Stress could contribute to them, or they can just descend out of the blue for no reason. For Biles, they occurred on the world's biggest stage and the look of concern everyone saw on her face makes sense. She is doing some of the most difficult skills in the entire world and if you're not mentally in a great place or have the twisties, then that can be the make or break in your career. Doesn't matter what sport you play or who you are, pressure can always get the best of you. The world-renowned tennis player Andre Agassi is known for his astonishing career on the tennis scene. He has won eight Grand Slam titles as well as the Career Grand Slam, which is gotten by winning the four major tennis tournaments, Wimbledon, the Australian Open, the French Open and the US Open. Andre has always been an eccentric person and has never been afraid to speak his mind. One thing Andre has always spoken about is how much he hates tennis. 
The pressure that was put on Andre, beginning from the first time he picked up a racket, all the way to his retirement, has turned him so against his sport that he claims he has a hatred for it. Andre's childhood was snatched out of his grasp, and he was forced to deal with the pressure of society's expectations of him. Andre Agassi ended up marrying Steffi Graf, a fellow professional tennis player. The two have claimed that their children are never going to play the sport that their parents are so well known for. If this isn't an example of the damage pressure can do to an individual, I don't know what is. Before we wrap up, as sports players, do you have any advice on how to deal with the pressure? Well, as a gymnast, it can be very intense before stepping onto the floor. I try not to overthink it and act like I'm doing the routine just for my coach. If I overthink it, I know I will mess up. I try to relax and take a deep breath. As a hockey player, it can be nerve-wracking the moment before you step onto the pitch. To deal with this, I try to forget about everyone around me and just play my own game. What about you, Ruby? How do you cope with the pressure? I try and just leave the pressure all behind and get out of my head. I've taken this advice from my dad and it's helped me get to where I am today. Thank you, Elizabeth and Ruby, for that. I'm sure there's many sports fans out there who can relate. Our best advice is to stay out of your own head. You don't want to be your own worst enemy. Be your best supporter. Thank you. Once again, this final segment draws a close to our school's podcast, Anything and Everything by Skull Vera Cork. Thank you so much to my lovely co-hosts Sarah and Sophie, to the girls for telling their trailblazing stories and sharing their riveting passions, and especially you for listening. Before we end our last podcast, guys, what was the highlight of TY for you? Well, I personally loved our weekend trip to Belfast earlier on in the month. Me too, that'll be a highlight, Isabel? My highlight would be all the friendships I made along the way. Oh. <laughs> Once again, we've been your hosts, Isabel Healy, Sarah Foley and Sophie Guiney. It's been a pleasure and thank you so much to our wonderful teachers and mentors, Miss Fitzharris, Mr. Quinton and George Hook. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check out our previous podcasts and our Instagram at smc.podcasts.